0: The truck! You are
1: listening to What the Truck! Are you ready to truck in? It's time for your Nooner with Dooner on this Wednesday. And guys, I feel like I'm in like a lifeguard chair. I got a new podium back here behind my desk, so I'm like a little bit higher up. It's like going from a coupe to an SUV. It's kind of cool. Got great visibility over here. Speaking of visibility, how about some visibility on packaged volumes? Before we jump into our guest today, a little thing to talk about here. Craig Fuller put this tweet out. Take a look here. It says the third largest North American container board and box producer packaging Corp of America reported its Q2 results. Those include a 9.8% box shipment decline and one of its most severe on record. Want some good news, though? I got some for you. Trucking volumes across the U.S. have started to show some life. As the OTV breaks out to the highest levels it's been all year, July, usually a slow month, not this year. So, I don't know, a lot to get into today. Speaking of e-commerce, we'll get to that with our next guest in a second over here. But uh, word of caution, even with stronger volumes, conditions for motor carriers are not much better. That's from Craig Fuller. You said tender rejections are still at very low levels. This is caused by that massive capacity expansion. Although we'll get into yellow today, we might be losing 14,000 trucks from that pool, so We'll find out. On today's episode of the show, I'm getting to the bottom of that evolving situation at Yellow. Plogger Transportation's Chris Smith and Justin Martin get us up to date on what's going on there on the ground floor with another union proposal rejected. Where does this company have left to go? We'll find out. Surge filed for bankruptcy. UPS averted strike. And that situation at Yellow continues to, Yellow continues to escalate. Rachel Premier is going to break down all the headlines that have come out in the past day. Ship Shapiro's Aaron Rubin is on location at a warehouse in Vegas. He's going to take us on a tour. We're going to see how they're prepping for peak season And how the sausage is made over there at Shapiro Uh, Alan Adler's is going to come on He's talking about Nicholas Reigniting Port of Long Beach's EV push And if autonomous trucks are dead in California Got a ton of other stuff to get to Let's tip the band though And we'll get to our first guest This episode of What the Truck is sponsored by Last Mile delivery leader Freight when you need the best last-mile delivery drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free, up to 300 dollars Go to Freight.com and use the code FIRST3Free. That's Freight. F-R-A-Y-T.com. And right now, it's Aaron Rubin, founder and CEO at Ship Hero. Dude, you look great. The warehouse looks great too.
0: Hey Duner, how's it going?
1: Hey, did you when you got down to Vegas, did was the first thing you did to go check out that sphere? Because that's what I would have done. I
0: haven't done that yet. I gotta do that later today. The first what? thing I did is I stepped outside and I got knocked back by the heat it's like 112 degrees out there but oh,
1: it's brutal it's brutal in july in in vegas so w- tell us why you're out there what brought you down to vegas today
0: so we have a facility out here um that's where i am today so just checking in uh going through all the buildings before peak we we'll do it again uh as we get closer just going through our prep making sure we're ready for what i think will be a pretty good uh peak season and,
1: and which facility number is this aaron how many are you guys up to now
0: We've got uh, eight facilities. Um, so, this was, uh, we started in Vegas. This is our second building. We expanded here. So, um, this is our second building. We've been here for about a year and a half.
1: Very cool. What go, What goes on in here? Show us around a little bit.
0: Yeah, let me get the camera. So, here's where we start. Here, at Ryan. Ryan's our GM. Say hi. He's busy working. <laughs> What's um, up, Ryan? <laughs> and here's our packing station. So, we got. Different lights for different indicators. Cynthia's our Wham, our warehouse account manager. Normally, she's got her pink, but she's got a yellow today. Um, so here's our packing stations. So we can pack out um, about 8,000 orders in a day between uh, three shifts. Um, quiet here today on a Wednesday uh, in the summer in Vegas. Not the busiest time of year. No. We then... Head up to the docks. We got our special project team. We're doing some sorting here. So we sort to different outbound carriers on this little tablet up here. Um, and then let's see what else we got here. We can see the racks in the background. We head over there.
1: Aaron, are you on a segue right now?
0: I am on a segue. Smooth.
1: <laughs> Oh, how many of those you got in the facility? Or is it just the boss gets through? Oh, no, that guy's on a Segway, too.
0: Yeah, Tomaski's got one. is our outbound manager. He's got one. Yeah, I got a bunch of people got them um, offloading something here. That pallet shifted. <laughs> Someone screwed up that pallet, if you can see. Uh, so here's some inbound coming in. Um, and here's our turret trucks. So these are big boys up here we use for putting stuff in the racks. Um want to tour in the racks?
1: I like it. I don't see, you, Aaron, I don't see any robots in your warehouse. Are, are, are you are you into the robot thing or are people just better? No, one, no robots
0: in this building. Um, we have some in our Jacksonville facility. Um, none in this facility. We don't have, depends on the, the mix of customers. Um, we do pretty well.
1: Very cool. Well, hey, Aaron, walk us through the process a little bit. So an order comes into one of your warehouses. What happens? Sorry, one more time? Walk us through the process. An order comes into your warehouse. What happens? What? What? How How does it work?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, it starts at the docks. We go through receiving. So that's where Tomasi runs the inbound. So um, we have scheduled appointments. Trucks come in. We receive it. We then keep some here in Vegas. So it goes up into those pallet racks and then some product. We call it load balance. So that moves out to other facilities. So um, not everything that comes into Vegas stays in Vegas. Most of it actually just moves out. Um, so it gets sorted here on the docks and then uh, in these different lanes. And then we sort them to what's going to stay in the facility. And um, so he's got some stuff that's taking in the facility, so he's going to put it up in the rack. Other products will move. Like out here into like an outbound lane, where it's gonna to move to a different facility. Gets cross stock. And then the stuff that stays in the facility goes into the big racks and then one box at a time gets pulled into the small racks and then gets put in the small racks, thrown in a box, given to a carrier. We truck stuff all over the country, so we truck stuff to like Southern California, give it to like local delivery companies and they um, they do the local delivery, or we just handle like UPS FedEx or USPS. So, basically, it's a full range of delivery options, and that's it. If everything works smooth, that's the whole process. If something doesn't work smooth, that's where the hard work comes in.
1: Ooh. How do you fix, how do you fix a problem?
0: So, we got with Cynthia a warehouse account manager, so all she does all day is fix problems. <laughs> um, depends on the, on the sort of problems, but, you know, we're in logistics, so every possible problem that can happen will happen. Things like uh, product comes in damage, product comes in wrong, uh, product gets damaged in transit. Um, it all happen when you're shipping a lot of packages. Those all happen every day. So we just have processes and SOPs around all different ones and go through our escalation path and just fix these 20s as they come in.
1: What are your warehouses telling you about peak season right now? Are you optimistic? Uh, is it looking like a lot of freight's coming in?
0: Yeah, so, um, buildings are starting to fill up. So they had been, uh, really full heading into peak last year. And then it's been a basically slope down as people burned through their stock in the buildings, um, through, let's say mid last month is when that sort of trend stopped and it started to go back towards more full. So we have, yeah, let me show you the rack. White pallets. Um, those are uh, a customer called Momofuku. They make uh, like uh, noodles. So those are old noodles.
1: Um, ramen, right? That's a little there. top ramen over uh, there. I mean, top ramen might be another brand,
0: yeah, but it's ramen really, noodles.
1: It's, I guess so. Yeah, it's scallion noodles
0: and ramen noodles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see if I can show you some, a little more close up. But um, So, like, they're filling up. Like, the building's starting to fill up. I think people are optimistic and we're in the past people are burning down because they have too much stock. Now they're starting to fill stuff up a bit more. We're getting uh, higher utilization. Obviously, peak utilization will happen like November 1st, right before peak season. Um, here, here's some of their, their, their noodles. Ooh. Um, and um, But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. Like our customers are stocking, which means... Um, I know you were talking about how... Uh, freight utilization is going up a little off of, you know, a lot of there's a lot of excess capacity, obviously, but still, uh, demand's going up. So I'm feeling really good. Looks like everyone was predicting a recession it didn't happen. So I don't know. What do you think is going to happen?
1: Well, you know, I just, we showed that chart a little bit earlier in the show. Volumes are back up. Usually, I mean, it's been a weird market. Usually that would have already happened, that upward peak. And now it's just, a, it's a little bit delayed. Um, how did Prime do? Did you guys have a lot of freight moving out? Did, did you think Prime, I mean, they said the numbers on Prime Day was really good. Did you see a lot of volume moving? Do you sell a lot of Amazon stuff? Uh,
0: no, I mean we do some with Amazon. We're mostly working with Shopify. Shopify volumes are basically exactly flat. Some people run sales on Prime Day. I don't think this year's Prime Day was – it was up first last year, but not – it's not like, um, you know, growing every year 50%, right? It's a little bit up over last year, but not a super big event. And it's the slowest month of the year, so that's why they do it now, right, to pick up some volumes and test everything before peak. So it was okay, but not a a blowout, kind of.
1: You put an interesting chart up, which was talking about the average shipment distance versus network design right here. Tell us a little bit about what you learned from what we can learn from that chart and what that means for here and how you design your own network.
0: Yeah, so um, a lot of people like to.
1: We got Aaron. We got Aaron. We lose the signal. Did we lose this thing on the warehouse? see if we can uh, bring him back up in a second here. In the meantime, here, I'll buy some time while we try to reconnect with him. And let's go to... Meanwhile, let's let Lombard pump us up for a second here.
2: As of today, I've hit the entire lower 48. From Maine to the Florida Keys, to the forests of Washington, to the Imperial Dunes of California, Laredo to Duluth, coast to coast, border to border. And along the way, I've met the real mother who run this country, and that's not the a***** douchebags in Washington, D.C. I'm talking about all you, my fellow drivers. I'm talking about people like the server from Oasis Travel Plaza, off 44 in Missouri. She's a single mom with two kids making it happen. I'm talking about those manufacturers in the Midwest. I'm talking about those hands in the oil fields of West Texas. We know what it takes to run a country. Those aristocrat dickheads in D.C. don't but the only way we can win is by unleashing our full potential. Truckers, we got a hard time. We can do the hard thing. We know what it means to suffer and pull through. Personal excellence is our number one rebellion. Fight back by going out and the fuck after it.
1: Love it, love it. I mean, Aaron, right there, Lombardi's pushing us. He's pushing us to the limit. He's been pumped up ever since he got into that argument with G-Face, the admitted double broker who went on TikTok and Called him out, and uh, and then Lombard and him just have been brawling ever since. Aaron, they're still trying to connect with him. He's back over in that warehouse. You know how it is. You're doing live TV. Always those cell signals can't keep up. Um, maybe we'll go to, well, we're waiting for Rachel over here. Let's go to Elsewhere.
3: Check this out. This is a nuclear waste truck and caravan rolling through my neighborhood. There's a nuclear fuel cask up here coming from West Valley. 157 tons. Check this truck out. I never seen so many dollies in my life. Look at this. This is going right by my neighborhood, Reddit. Glass C waste, whatever that is. Low. Look at that. Heck that out. 298,000 pounds. Check this truck out. And look at all the people. Look at this truck. I've never seen a truck like this in my life. And look at all the workers, all the people. They're stopped at a railroad tracks up here. They had to wait for a couple trains, and now they're probably having a hard time because there's a big hump there. But this is awesome. Right in my neighborhood, all these people living right around here. Thank God it's a good secure cask
1: Aaron you ever uh, you ever have any nuclear waste casks in your warehouse like that one
0: <laughs> no we're we're uh don't have that on our uh ICP list that's our sales team doesn't work on that
1: Oof. I could picture insane clown posse and toxic waste going together now right before you cut off we were talking about average shipment distance versus network design I was curious how Vegas fit into that overall structure with ship hero uh what you got
0: Yeah, so Vegas is great for inbound. It is far from people, right? Most of the people are in the Northeast from DC to Boston. So it's a great facility for you receiving, but you should not put all your your stock there. You're going to spend more money shipping it to the East Coast and it's going to take longer. So I always recommend that you have a Northeast facility um, and you you can have Vegas and Northeast, but don't just do Vegas.
1: Is, is, like when you decide that you need multiple warehouses, does it matter how big of a shipper you are? Is this all network design? This scales whether you're small or you're big?
0: Well, you gotta... It's a matter of how many SKUs you have uh, relative to um, how many orders you have. So, like, if you have 10,000 SKUs and you only keep like three in stock of each SKU, you can't spread that, really, across multiple buildings. So... Um, you just got to deal with one and then I would normally say like put it in Ohio uh, put it in Missouri something like that um, but for most shippers that got enough volume to distribute it between at least two for some we have in 4 or 5 um, but almost everyone could do two
1: sounds really cool now what's like what's the customer experience so I just saw this tour of your warehouse I think it looks awesome I want my freight in Vegas like how do I how do I interact with a company like ShipHero
0: yeah i mean just contact us sales at shiphero.com um we've got a sales team that will walk you through our capabilities we're pretty uh, uh picky so we only try to onboard about a dozen customers a year um but um if that's not the right fit if the person's not the right fit we're pretty straightforward and we, we have a lot of people we refer out to so we'll find someone for them to use
1: Aaron, you think warehouses look that different in five years you put out a somewhat amusing tweet like a week or two ago and you're like people talking about like robots in warehouses and we're in a world where people still have paper BOLs
0: yeah exactly I I think we're we're in a slow moving business um the process works we're you know we're only people only notice us if we if we screw up and so uh there the uh the risk reward is bad like it's better just be conservative use a system that works Um, You try to get too fancy and you're down very peak and everyone hates you. And if it works, it saves you a little bit of money, but no one really cares. So um, I think we're in a slow-moving industry. People want proven technology. And um, once they see everyone else using it, then they'll adopt it. So, yeah, I think the warehouse in 10 years from now uh, or five years from now is going to look basically the same. Um, I think there's a small percentage of robots being utilized now, but the buzz around robots is 100x the actual a uh, number of robots can be used in warehouses, excluding Amazon.
1: They're doing it. What's the key to keeping trucks moving quickly at your dock doors back there?
0: So, I mean, we're pretty good. We've got a lot of dock doors. Um, let me flip it around. Uh, doors, as you can see, maybe about uh, 30. Um, and then we have a intercom system. So they come to the front, uh, they just ring the bell, and. Um, it alerts. It basically announces in the whole building. Someone comes out, tells them what door to go to. They pull up to the door. Um, we let them use the bathrooms. I know that's uh, a recurring issue in some places, but uh, we know we need we need drivers there. We move trucks between our buildings every week, every day. Um, so yeah, we're, we try to be as driver friendly as possible. We try to stage stuff for them. As you can see, like here, all the lanes. So we have our inbound lanes. These are our. Uh, inbound lanes, we got our outbound lanes there. So we try to make it that they're off um, and onto their next job pretty quickly. Um, and so far, we're doing a pretty good job of it, I think.
1: Nice. You got a prediction? You got a pre- are, are, are shippers going to be happy this year, or shippers going to be upset when it comes down to it, when they look at their, their Q4 numbers? Yeah, I
0: think we're going to have a good year. Everyone built out a lot of capacity. Everyone has had a lot of time to really uh, optimize their networks after, you know, two years ago, it was just really tough. People were a lot of uncertainty. You didn't know what demand's going to be. You couldn't get enough labor. Uh, Labor situation is good. Um, The economy is, you know, steady. It's not going crazy. You're not worrying about, you know, 50% up years where you got to really flex your systems maybe beyond what they can do. So, yeah, I think this is, we're, we're gearing up for a nice, solid up peak but nothing crazy so i think we should have a pretty good time and usps is doing well like every all the all the operators now that ups got their strike averted i think we'll be in a good shape for
1: this year did you all breathe a sigh of relief when that news came through the wire yesterday
0: yeah i mean you know i wish i could get back all the time i spent the last month planning alternatives um but i'm glad we don't have to use them so absolutely it's great news and um Hopefully yellow is also gets resolved in a, in a decent way. We don't use them um, as of like a week or so ago, just because the risk is there yeah. that that freight gets um, abandoned or, or stuck on or stolen, like all the bad things that happen when strikes happen. So hopefully yellow gets resolved. That's the last like major concern.
1: Yeah, not ho- I'm not super hopeful there, Aaron, but I am hopeful for Ship Hero. I'm long on you guys. People who want to connect with Ship Hero, they want to use your services. Where's the best place for them to go?
0: Yeah, so just do sales at shiphero.com, or if you want to talk to me personally, I'm at aaron at shiphero.com.
1: Very, very cool. Thank you so much. Go check out that sphere and let me know how it was. I well, Thanks, dinner. Have a great day. You too. Take it easy. All right, now we got Rachel Premack here, Editorial Director over at FreightWaves. Rachel, a lot of news yesterday. I mean, we're talking about a, a day where you had yellow in the top of the headlines, you had UPS in the top of the headlines, and you had Surge, a $150 million brokerage, filing Chapter 11 in the headlines, which almost got buried by all this other news. So let's start there. We haven't given any time to the Surge bankruptcy. So fill us in. What happened at Surge?
4: Yeah, so Surge, for those who aren't aware, uh, is a freight broker that was established in 2016. They currently have a workforce of more than 100 people. Um, they booked about $150 million in revenue last year, but now they said in their bankruptcy filing that because of the downturn in e-commerce volumes that they just haven't been able to uh, see the same sort of revenues and profits um, since since uh, the spring of last year and um, they are filing and they filed for bankruptcy. It's important to note that they're not planning to shut down, but they are looking to uh, for bankruptcy protection and coverage to hopefully continue operations.
1: Yeah, you know, there's been so much negativity on social media around that story, especially on LinkedIn. There's all the uh, the top minds couldn't help but dunk on this company. I know Omar. Omar's a, a, a great dude. Like, as far as I know, I've talked to this guy for hours before. I've seen him out there. I think he's fantastic. And I want to highlight a message here from Bart Demunk because in a sea of haters, positivity shines as a bright light. And he wrote, we forgot one important thing here. Filing for Chapter 11 is not the same as being bankrupt. This means the company plans to restructure well-being protected from creditors. Don't write them off too quick. Many companies have come back from filing Chapter 11. You probably drive a car from one of those companies. Let's stick together as an industry rather than writing companies off or criticizing them. The market is tough on us already. Now, it's fair to criticize companies and everything, but I feel like the way some people have been piling on search has been a little ridiculous. I mean, they're a company that got, they scaled really big. They got, they, as a non-asset-based broker they got caught in this market right here, and it's been a hard one for a lot of companies to recover from.
4: Yeah, I mean, certainly, basically, every freight brokerage has seen seen some sort of uh, layoff or cutback on their service and uh, not on their services, but on their headcount. It's just been a very challenging past year for the industry at large. And I think freight brokers in particular have been really struggling just because there's less there's less revenue. There's less freight to move. Rachel, what happened? It was the, the,
1: the other headline, the big headline that came through yesterday. It was a little bit anticlimactic, right? Where everyone's like, ah, oh, what's going to happen with UPS? We thought this might go down to the wire on Friday. I personally didn't think UPS would strike. I've put that out on social media. Um, I said I wouldn't bet on it, but I don't think that they would strike. They did not strike. They came to terms. They have an agreement. Tell us about it.
4: Yeah, so Teamsters, you know, they've been playing hardball and they've got They seem to have gotten what they were looking for when it came to air conditioning in the vehicles, um, eliminating that kind of two-tier labor system where newer UPS workers wouldn't quite be able to reach the same sort of pay and benefits that longer-time UPS workers would, and most recently, um, expanding benefits and pay for part-time workers. Apparently, existing full-time and part-time workers this year alone will get 275 more an hour and over the length of his contract they'll get $750 uh, more per hour so it's definitely a big jump for for full-time and part-time employees and you know I kind of agree with you I wasn't particularly betting and I feel like most folks who closely follow UPS weren't really betting on any sort of strike just because it would be so detrimental long-term for the company in the case of them having to wind down operations to the degree that they would have had to. They did see a big strike in 1997, but you know this was pre-Amazon. This was pre-everyone sitting at home ordering e-commerce all the time. And UPS also does have, they they have been a very profitable and successful company over the past few years. So they could afford to pass some of those uh, successes on to workers, which it looks like they're going to be doing.
1: Yeah, people are conflating this with Yellow a little bit because one is in one circumstance, the other is in the other, but these are two completely different companies. We'll get into Yellow in a minute, but I'm seeing all the shipping managers online breathing a, sh- a sigh of relief. Is e-commerce saved? Is, is e-commerce peak season saved?
4: I mean, to the extent that there will be a peak season, I think we've been kind of talking about that or, you know, In the news there's been a kind of a lot of conversation of is there going to be a peak season this year to the extent that there is a peak season i think that things will be better than it it won't be that sort of shocking downturn and um you know total chaos that could have happened in the case of a ups strike for sure
1: what does the deal mean for consumer prices? Now, everyone's getting paid more over at UPS, and then there's been some concern or maybe even concern trolling about what's going to happen here with prices for consumers. What, what's your take on this?
4: It could raise, you know, the cost of shipping, but, you know, the the whole, you know, free shipping isn't free thing. I think that's been yeah. something that's been discussed for years and years and years. I think that free shipping, and, you know, this isn't just my thoughts, this is based on lots of other people who, who study this much more closely. Um, this has been sort of a, a feature that's been given to consumers, and it's something that could be pulled back, especially when you look at return networks. The other thing is that, you know, quote, free shipping. I mean, a company could say, oh, we have free shipping, but then the product is just $5 more than it would be if, if the shipping did cost something. Or they say, oh, we have free shipping, but then the returns are, you know, twenty five dollars or something to if you do have to make a return, which I have seen before that, um, you know, the returns and the are are incredibly expensive, even though the shipping is free. Um, so I think just overall, whether or not there was a UPS, um, well, no matter how this contract would have worked out, we would have seen free shipping as an offer, as a benefit, start to roll back, and as we already have these past few years.
1: Yeah, especially this year. You know, I don't always shop from Amazon. Amazon, you you can tell you're paying the price of the shipping in the product. Those prices yeah. have all gone up. I mean, they're normalized with anywhere else you look these days. Just Google shop. Everyone's pro- like they have algorithms. All the prices are the same everywhere. Um, do you think? Yeah. That, do you think that UPS is going to focus more on B two C than I mean on B B2, on B two B than B two C now with uh, this changing cost structure?
4: I mean, B2B is definitely already has always been a higher margin business for UPS, Um, you know, especially with Amazon in housing more and more of their of their own package volume. UPS has always kind of looked at B2B as like a higher margin, um, the higher margin business. But B2C certainly, you know, keeps their package network pretty full and pretty busy.
1: Rachel, yesterday, this memo leaked. Show this right here. It says the threat of... Strike on Monday, July 17, led to catastrophic shipment declines last week as customers needed to ensure their shipments could be serviced without interruption and not caught up in a strike of undeterminate length. As a result of these unfortunate circumstances and the impact on the network, we are limiting pickup operations in all terminals over the coming days. The company is focused on delivering existing shipments in the network to its valued customers and communicating with our employees on new developments. We continue working on accelerating process with union discussions. Now, When that story came through on Friday, the court had said, "Okay, you can't you can strike if you want to. We're not going to stop you. And then Sunday night, the pension plan came through from central states. What we were saying on Monday was I think this is just to help clear the network of existing freight within Yellow.
4: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because the um, account executives at Yellow, who I spoke to yesterday, they told me that on Monday of this week after the strike was averted, that their their leadership told them, "Hey, you know, start selling that freight. You know, get in touch with customers, let them know that it's business as usual." And just over a day later, Tuesday afternoon, those same uh, account executives were told, "You know, go home. Don't se- don't sell any more freight. We're we're stopping pickups. Um, just you know, take a step back. It's it's keep your phone and your laptop near you, but but don't." Inform customers that we're not doing any more pickups. So it's certainly a situation that's changing day by day. There's a lot of volatility. Um, And its I imagine it's quite confusing for employees. I imagine it's quite confusing for customers. It's confusing for journalists,
1: Rachel. It's confusing for journalists. Listen to this. This came out from the Teamsters last night. It said, just before midnight on Monday, July 24th, the union provided Yellow with a bottom-line proposal containing work rules and economic terms enabling Yellow to seek necessary financing. The union's bottom-line proposal included the $11 package that Yellow had been telling the union and its members would be available if the union sat down with Yellow's leadership to jointly work on a solution solution to its debt crisis. Well, they came to yellow with that and then yellow just rejected that. So like there's resolutions here. These people are going back and forth. They're stretching this thing out forever. Everyone's pulling their freight from this company. Show that picture, of that terminal. Look at this terminal at yellow today. There's nothing there.
4: Yeah, that's I I mean, I mean if you're a, if you're a shipper and you're trying to figure out, "Hey, okay, where do I put my freight?" I mean, if you keep getting these mixed messages, it, it's not surprising that folks are reporting that shippers are trying to pull back because, uh, you know, we, we saw this with the Celadon bankruptcy in 2019. Folks had their shipments lost and, you know, kind of stranded. Um, so yeah, I've, I've certainly heard from drivers today that uh, they may have been working yesterday, but today that they are not pulling any freight.
1: Yeah, well I mean Craig just put this out too. This just came out. Stevens estimates Yellow's freight volume dropped seventy percent week over week and is burning nine to ten million dollars a day. It only had a hundred million dollars at the end of the quarter. This would explain why the situation at Yellow became so dire this week. The strike threat was the mortal wound. And now I'm hearing from a lot of people there. Friday there's a big meeting. Like there's a I guess they're trying to they lost mm-hmm. some financing. They thought they had some financing secured this week. They don't. They're still fighting over that. And Friday, um, and look, this is yellow. They're a cockroach, right? Like you could nuke this company and they seem to still be standing. But this Friday, baby it. Although I've said that before.
4: Yeah, it's there's definitely a lot of rumors going around. And it's not clear what exactly is happening, what's true, what's not true. Um, I think we've just got to keep a close eye on what's going on and hopefully some some clarity comes by Um it seems like probably the best the best way to keep keep tabs on what exactly is happening is just uh, you know keep listening to drivers and and salespeople and people on the front lines and figuring out you know what they're seeing and hopefully try to piece together some sort of larger picture.
1: Premac, how do people find modes, and when's your next episode?
4: Um, it is. Uh, on you know on freight waves tv and uh we also have the newsletter that comes out every thursday and uh you can also just go on my author page or on my twitter and keep up with what's going on there
1: i'll help you out here it's on freight waves youtube just look at modes or any audio podcast player you got going apple podcast spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and you will find modes and while you're there subscribe to what the truck very cool rachel thanks so much for your time today Thanks so much. <laughs> Take care. All right. This episode of What the Truck is sponsored by Last Miles Delivery Leader Freight. When you need the best Last Mile Delivery drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free up to 300 bucks. Go to Freight.com and use code FIRST3FREE. That's Freight. F-R-A-Y-T
5: dot com. All
1: right. Alan Adler, Midwest Bureau Chief at Freight Waves. Alan, you're looking good, man.
5: The jersey. I told you that before. What is yours? yours.
1: Oh, you like the jersey. Yeah, me too. I like your jersey. I do. Comfy. I don't sweat through it. It's got like breathable technology.
5: I think the breathable technology is awesome. That's, that's a good thing.
1: Got a war at my house, by the way. Sox are playing the Red Sox right now, you know, from, from Boston. My kids yeah. are growing up here down south, so they're, they're, they're becoming Braves fans. It was a, little, it was a big conflict last week. <laughs> although-
5: I, I went to the Braves last week in Milwaukee. We took the ferry over from, from Muskegon to Milwaukee, my wife and I, and caught the Braves game uh, against Milwaukee Friday night. A uh, lot of fun. That is an awesome lineup down there in
1: Atlanta. Hey, Alan. Nikola batteries aren't the only thing reigniting. So is their stock. Look at this thing; it's up a hundred percent in the past month. <laughs> speaking of cockroach, co- no, you got to say, Yeah. Speaking of cockroach companies, that like
5: that, every time you count
1: them out, they still seem to be standing. We got another one here with Nikola.
5: Well, 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 let me, let me. Since I write about them, let me let you call them a cockroach, okay? Okay. Than yeah, me. I will. I did. Um, if that's all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, stock is starting to take a bit of a, uh, a, a drop back again, though. Um, you know, and and somebody, some say it's because it's fire. I think it has a lot more to do with the fact that they are going to get this dilutive doubling of authorized shares here in uh, just beginning of August. Uh, the governor in, uh, in Delaware signed the legislation that changes the rules. Therefore, they don't really need the shareholders, any more shareholders, to approve it. So it's going to go into effect. They're going to get the, the, the twice as many shares i think it's a, a billion six from 800 million um what that means is they'll be able to pay some bills especially to a hedge fund that owned them 200 million dollars last year they'll be able to at least pay the interest that's overdue on that um but i think shareholders will understand and many do and if you kind of keep up with the feeds and so forth out there uh you know a lot of them see the dilution coming and they're, uh, we might already be seeing some of that pullback
1: Okay, but here's what surprises me, too, is because l- look at this picture here. So a month ago, we were in Cle- we were in Cleveland at the Future of Supply Chain, actually. This nickel is set on fire. I was asking you about it, and you said, well, this story came out, and it could be the batteries. But nickel is saying that it was like some sort of rogue culprit because they saw a car drive away. But we come to a month later, and these things set on fire again. Was the culprit back, or is it the batteries?
5: Well, the, okay, the picture you're showing was from the original fire, first of yeah. all. Um, what happened on Sunday afternoon was one of the trucks— which apparently was in some manner of quarantine at the company uh, in Phoenix, uh, you know, reignited. And these battery packs, once they're compromised, can do that. Nikola knew it. Nikola said it could happen, although they certainly, I'm sure, were wishing it didn't. The thing that I got a little sideways with them over this week, Dooner, was I said, look, you know, I've got a lot of safety background from my days at General Motors. And I know that at some point they're going to be having the, the the dance with with uh, NHTSA over this, simply because if the battery is, you know, unstable in this case, then they're going to want to know what what batteries, went and what trucks. Are they going to call them in for inspection? What are they going to do? And what does that mean uh, to Nikola? Now, granted, they're not building in production any, any Nikola battery trucks right now because they're getting ready to start the fuel cell truck uh, assembly. Different battery pack in that one, by the way, from Proterra, not from... Romeo. Romeo is a a word that I think Nicola could be very happy to live without ever saying again, because they bought the company, they found out that they were getting sort of undercharged for the batteries, they had to absorb all that. Then they find that maybe there's this quality issue. Uh, They cancel contracts with other companies that were expecting Romeo batteries wouldn't surprise me that we find that maybe they did that protectively because if there is a problem with these batteries and they sell them to somebody else, guess whose liability that becomes? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's lots of there's lots of angles to this, but I do expect at some point we're going to hear something about. Nitsa either asking for information or actually, you know, opening a preliminary e- evaluation, which is a technical term, or something. But I suspect that we're going to see some activity between Nikola and NHTSA over this.
1: Speaking of batteries, where do you charge these damn things? That's what every fleet wants to know. Is regulations encroach on on California? Do Watt EV and the Port of Long Beach have the answer?
5: Yeah, well. Partially, sure. I mean, publicly, yes. That is, it's a public charging facility. Um, you know, it'll take all comers. Of course, you're going to pay for it. You don't get it free. But, uh, you know, they now have five megawatts of charging ability there at the Port of Long Beach, which, of course, is a, is an epicenter of drayage. And therefore, you know, they're working with a bunch of different types of customers in terms of who might charge there. Oh, by the way, those are Nikola trucks you're looking at. Um, yeah, baby. Right now. Get your fire. And, and, yeah, you and that out. was. I think it was about 14 of them that Watt took from, from Nikola. They also have 50 Volvo uh, VNR electrics on, on order they haven't received yet. Um, but this charging facility is different. You know, Schneider just opened one uh, east of LA in El Monte, and NFI is trying to finish theirs uh, over in Ontario. Those are behind-the-fence operations only for Schneider and NFI trucks their drayage fleets, if you will. Um, This one is something that really anybody that's got a truck that needs to charge can contract uh, with EV to do that. EV has three more facilities opening this year, including Bakersfield and uh, Gardena, and I think also in San Bernardino. So uh, they, we originally wrote about them, talked about sort of the Pony Express approach that they have, where if you're a driver and you want to get a truck from them, you can drive it and you can swap out for one that's a battery full and, and keep on your route and that kind of thing. Uh, so they've got a lot of angles, a lot of lines in the water in terms of how they want to do this. Um, you know, but, uh, but it's interesting because a lot of these other companies doing are like um, uh, Volterra and form mobility and, and uh, terawatt all have a bunch of money. They've raised a lot of uh, money from funds and so forth to build out infrastructure. These guys haven't raised a lot of money yet. They, they basically are taking advantages of grants they put some family money into the business. They say they'll close their, their uh, A round soon, um, but they said they would do that last June as well. So, you know, it's taken a while to get the money raised. Um, but so we'll see just how well they do. Um, it's going to depend on, you know, what, what they come up with in terms of keeping the business going. One
1: more Truck Tech article here, are, and 60 seconds or less because we're a little short on time. Are autonomous vehicles dead in California?
5: They could be. Um, I think you're going to see a compromise there at some point. Uh, You know, this is a very strident rule that essentially will keep uh, autonomous trucks over 10,001 bound off the road in California and make it very difficult for them to ever go without drivers. Um, Lots and lots to go on this one. Still some more votes and, and that kind of thing. We'll see what Governor Newsom does.
1: Alan, where do people go find truck tech and all your great articles?
5: Well, you know what? They go to Truck Tech. You you can find that on our on our homepage under under newsletters. You can watch the show, 4 o'clock today. Uh, I'm still a little confused. You said it's on YouTube. I know it is. It's YouTube. YouTube's our awesome. home now. Okay. YouTube's our home. So it's going to be on the on the playlist under Truck Tech on YouTube at the Freightways homepage mm-hmm. on YouTube. And that's where you find us.
1: Yep. And audio podcast players everywhere. Spotify. Not Stitcher and anymore. Stitch, Stitcher went out of business, man. A lot of people going out of business this year, unfortunately. Yeah. They've yep. been around for a long time. Well, Alan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it, man. Stay cool.
5: All right, you too, brother.
1: All right, let's take a let's take a look at a little simulation here. What happens when a semi truck truck is Toyotas.
2: t-boning all the Toyota cars at fifty miles per hour? Toyota 4Runner. It's actually
1: pretty strong. 2019 Toyota Corolla. Oh, look at that! Car. The Corolla just knocked the semi-truck off the road.
6: 2022 Toyota Tacoma.
1: Mm. Oh, destroyed. Just, this guy's over at the loves now.
2: 2019
1: Toyota RAV4. I don't have a good feeling about this one. Ooh. I don't know, man. The Corollas and the RAV4s, they're kicking trucks' asses. It's super strong
2: for an SUV. 2021 Toyota Camry. Let's see here. Ooh. Well... Oh, it's running away.
0: <laughs> 2019 Toyota
1: Tundra. All right. uh, ooh, well, no. It did about as The Tacoma was stronger.
2: Toyota Supra. Hmm.
1: Look at that though. It Those got bodies really on I mean, you're probably dead in most of those, but hey, I was surprised by how some of those held up. Well, we got some great guests on right now. We got Super Trucker as always on Wednesday, Justin Martin. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. And we got Chris Smith introducing. Well, actually, we introduced him at the end of last episode. We played his great video from TikTok, but it's Chris Smith over at Plogger Transportation. Hey, Chris, I love that video you put out on TikTok speaking directly to those uh, yellow employees.
6: Thanks, Dooner. I know I got a lot of slack from that uh, comments on TikTok, but you know, um, as I said in the video, my dad was a 33 year teamster. Um, I, we support those guys here. We we hope and pray uh, for the families and for the drivers that everything gets straightened out. Um, I, I was with that video. I was basically throwing a lifeline out to those guys. Uh, I know a lot of them are going to be looking for jobs regardless of what happens. Um, so, I guess from a recruiting standpoint, I was thrown out a lifeline to them. And, um, you know, I've gotten a ton of phone calls. I'm a former driver. I recruit here at Ploger. I don't ever lie to anybody about anything. And I love, I love talking to drivers when they call in and, and getting able to – my dad drove for Holland back when it was TNT. So, getting a, being able to converse with those guys and see what all has changed and, and talk about the old days was really, really cool.
1: Justin, you have been doing some great work for this show in the background, talking to a lot of these drivers, trying to get us some clarity on what's happening. What have you been hearing this week? This situation's been so in flux, right? We, we have the the drivers on at the beginning of Monday, and there was a generational war. Like, the drivers themselves are not even on the same page.
7: Yeah, just in the last, you know, since Friday, really, it was like a whiplash, because first the strike was on, then the strike was off, then there was talk of funding. So it's it's been like one extreme to the other, back and forth. Um... But I think once guys came back to work Monday and they saw just how empty the warehouses were, it's like, you know, you can you can have all the rumors you want. But once you start seeing the reality on the ground of just how few bills they're moving every day, you know, they, they they're starting to come around.
1: They're realizing that this is the end. Yeah, I mean, Chris, I mean, the situation's pretty clear. I mean, even if they are saved in some form of yellow, there's a lot of people who may not want to be part of that turmoil. Well, why do you think you got pushback on TikTok for just extending jobs to people?
6: I don't know, to be honest with you, Dooner. Um, I I think a a few of the comments, I think it's basically because recruiters have a bad name in the industry and lying to drivers, chasing drivers down. Um, You know, Plover is a great, great company, very reputable. As I said, I don't ever lie to anybody. Um, Am I vicious sometimes in my recruiting? Maybe a little bit, but as I said, you know, if they if they reach a deal and those families and those drivers stay put, we're, we're happy here for them. But, you know, it, it, it's not looking good. So basically in the video, I was throwing a lifeline out. I know it went viral. I got some nasty comments. And I think a lot of that is due to recruiters having a bad name. And, you know, a lot of these recruiters lie to drivers. And hope that they get into orientation and, and think the driver thinks, I'm already here, I'll stay. We, we don't operate like that here. So I, I think that's why the negative comments, recruiters have a bad name in the trucking industry for being untruthful drivers.
1: Well, don't take the negative comments too hard because we got a lot of good comments and good feedback here when we played that that clip. So there's plenty of people who thought it was absolutely great, but people who missed the clip, what what's the opportunity? What kind of like what's Plonger, what's Plonger all about and, and what's the opportunity that you would have for yellow employees who are displaced?
6: Well, basically, uh, one of the reasons I did the videos there's quite a few yellow Holland terminals up in this northern Ohio area. Norwalk, Ohio used to be Kind of the heartbeat of the trucking industry with norwalk freight lines back in the day um basically we are a regional uh otr company we service anything on the eastern seaboard we have a lane that goes out to logan utah but basically eastern seaboard regional we pay cents per mile um great great hospitalization here um you know all trucking companies companies say family atmosphere but um you know, we really are a family atmosphere. We're still in that mid-size range. We're under 100 trucks, so um, it, we're, we're a great company. And what what makes my job easier is is the benefits that are offered here, the family atmosphere, and uh, the fact that we are number one. Our number one priority is safety and the driver experience here at Ploger.
1: Very interesting. Justin, you saw the segment on Monday with the two drivers. Did that surprise you at all? You said it sounded like just being at the Union Hall back at the USPS. The the young guys are always fighting the older guys because they they just come from completely different perspectives on how the company was built and yeah. how they interface with employment right now, even.
7: Yeah, yeah. The older guys, I was telling you, I was having flashbacks in my break room at, at USPS. Those guys that have been there for 30, 35 plus years, they don't realize just how different uh, the trucking industry has been since they've been, You know, working in their current jobs. It's totally changed just in the five years that I was at USPS. So, you know, these are these are all things that you got to take into consideration when you realize that you're having guys that have been driving since before the new guys coming in were even born. You can't just walk into any job like that
1: and and tell those guys what, what, what you think. When you're 22 years old and you're talking to someone with 30 years of experience who has been working eight eight years longer than you've been alive. But the reality is that Jay, for example, the two-year guy, he comes into an employment situation that younger people face so they don't they they didn't grow up with pensions so they're not as like i didn't really i came in like right after pensions were like a normal standard thing so i've always been like a 401k world you fight for yourself right to work kind of state thing like that chris what model do you think works best for drivers is it is it the union is it the non-union is it is it choice or it really depends
6: i think it really depends on the individual you know you're talking to a guy. My dad started in 1961, driving for a company called Merchandise Cartage in Akron, Ohio. They were Teamsters. My dad was a Teamster up until 1995 when he retired. So I had a great childhood, and a lot of that was due to, uh, you know, Teamster wages. Uh, my dad retired at 56 years old, and he lives the life that every American should retire with a great pension. Now, has, has things changed a lot? Yes. Um, you know, if a guy wants to go work for the Teamsters, I think it's awesome. They have great benefits. But, you know, there, there's a little more flexibility driving for a non-union company, especially when you get into a family-sized atmosphere where everybody's tight-knit. So I think it all depends on the driver.
1: You know, speaking of families, this is – 100-year company. People in freight, it tends to be very generational. A lot of us had a father or grandfather or great-grandfather who started in this business and that lineage puts on so I can understand why people are so emotional about yellow we've heard it from so many drivers but one thing we heard that really stuck out chris was in this one yellow plan which does seem like a good one because when you talk to yellow drivers they don't identify as yellow they identify as yrc or holland or or whichever company hired them how important is it to have that cultural synergy when you're running a company at scale
6: it's 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 super important. Um, my dad started at Holland in 1979 and they were still owned by the Cooper family at that time. Um, then Holland sold to TNT, then, you know, yellow bottom, USF bottom, yellow bottom. So my dad could see the, the decline in the culture and the driving culture and everything. So that is, um, that's crucial. I mean, truck drivers are the most, in my opinion, drivers are the most important people in the economy. Um, they need to be treated well. They need to be paid well. And, you know, the atmosphere that they're in needs to be healthy also.
1: Yeah. Justin, what, what do you make of if you're it? If you were an employee over at Yellow, where would your head be at right now? I have no idea. I
7: mean, some of the guys I've talked to, I I give them whatever job opportunities I'm coming across. Yeah. And they're not looking, they're not liking what they're seeing because, you know, the the kind of work that they've been been doing, it's local. You're home every night. If you had enough seniority, you had a really good route with weekends off. Um, There's just not a lot of jobs like that out there right now. Um, You really need to do some soul searching and talk to your family and see what they're willing to put up with as far as you being away from home uh, to make the same kind of money or even better money. Uh, that you were making it yellow,
1: Chris. Do you think that at, at this stage the grass is really greener on the other side?
6: Uh, you know, Dooner. I think so. I mean, as much as I support the union uh, mentality for for the Teamsters, um, you know, I, we heard a rumor yesterday that should should yellow go under RNL carriers will be the largest. Uh, LTL company in the United States, um, so there, there are options for guys out there to kind of get the same thing that they're doing now—the line haul, the home every night, pulling the doubles and the triples. There are options out there, but unfortunately, you know, a company like RNL is not union, but. From what I hear, they, they treat their employees really well. So there are other options out there. We are an OTR carrier. And like I said in the video, we're, we're open to looking at anybody. So.
1: Very interesting. So how do people reach out to you? They, they like what they heard. They're, they don't like what they're seeing at Yellow. Or maybe they've already been let go. Justin, you told me about numerous people who were let go on Friday. They were already paring down people. So there's plenty of people out there. Screw the haters. What you got? How do they get in touch with you?
6: Uh, They would basically get on the website, www.plogertrans.com. There's a little chat bubble up there. I'm huge into Photoshop communicating with drivers. I, I love recruiting. Um, they can call 866 964 is our direct line, press option three for recruiting. But, uh, you know, Facebook and, and TikTok have been my bread and butter with connecting with drivers. I know a lot of people use Twitter and Instagram, but um, social media has been my bread and butter. So um, the website or or give me a call, either one, Chris, thank you. thank you so
1: much for extending this opportunity out there, putting yourself out there. We we really appreciate it. Thanks for stopping on with the truck.
6: Thanks for having me on, dude. It's been a blast.
1: Take care. Take care. Love it. All right, Justin, I got a few things to go through with you over here now. There was a crazy video that came in just not that far from me over in Dalton, Georgia. Roll this tape right now. It's a Landstar truck hey, versus a Lamborghini. And this guy is Spencer Hyde, is the dude who crashed into this thing. They don't know the exact speed, traveling at a high rate of speed on I-75 in Georgia. He hits in a Lambo, he hits this Landstar truck and he goes underneath it. And you're gonna see the gullwing wing door on the side of that Landstar on there because Spencer Hyde survived this stupid incident and was able to get out the side straight
7: through the ICC bumper that guy is lucky to be alive and uh, Lamborghini clearly makes some pretty safe vehicles to be running at that speed
1: yeah whoever makes those like simulations of the semi truck hitting stuff that I showed earlier I hope they account like their algorithm accounts for what happened to this Lamborghini here yeah no, I to, yeah they gotta be taking notes were you impressed by that Corolla just knocking the semi truck off the road
7: yeah, yeah. Also, look look inside the frame and look how it's shifted over. If you're in the driver's seat, you're in the passenger seat now in, in the in the simulation. The, the real one looks like he just went straight under the trailer.
1: That doesn't look like it has like a billion airbags in it either. You know, some cars, they get an accident like this. There's airbags like everywhere. You're like in a cushion. Have you ever
7: sat in one of those? My wife, a couple of years ago for my birthday, got me one of those like exotic car experiences. And I mean, you're you're packed in like this. There's really not a whole lot of wiggle room.
1: So my my dad, I got him one of those for Father's Day, and he refused to take it because when we went to go take it, they give you these big forms, and one of them is some form that you're like liable for any damage. It's like I don't want to be liable for some Lamborghini. Yeah. Let's just go to, to like the bar, <laughs> forget it. Dude. I was the slowest guy on the track because it was like
7: a two thousand dollar fine for one tire in the dirt, and ten thousand dollars for two tires in the dirt. They
1: had all kinds of fines if you uh, went off the track. You ever have so my like my buddy one time he uh he works for FEMA and he was staying out in Connecticut and he, and he used to go to the hotel restaurant all the time and then one day he's driving over to work and he sees you know the police everywhere there's a car underneath the semi and it was the waitress that he like would serve mm-hmm. him every time he'd come in and, and she she died she got decapitated
7: yeah yeah no that was always my number one rule when I started was like don't be in the news so, yeah. yeah, anything that, anything that you
1: sc- do screwing up on your job with a truck and you're in the news, it's not good. Justin, are there too many tracking apps? Look at all these apps that's on this one driver's phone right here.
7: Yeah, that's crazy. You know, and they, everybody has an ELD in the truck now. Why can't they track it? The, well, I guess a lot of drivers, too, they use their phones as their ELDs. Um, so I guess my suggestion to the drivers would be get an ELD and let them track that instead.
1: That's what every driver says. Is this this driver attitude? Because all the drivers say this. They say, hey, if you're tracking me, don't call me.
7: Yeah. 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 You can't have it both ways. Either call
1: or track. We get some comments here. This guy says, those are annoying. And then they call and ask ETA location, et cetera. I asked them, why do you have the app to track? And they said, basically, the apps don't always work. Well, I guess get some working apps. <laughs> Another guy here yeah, says, if,
7: I, you're in a, if you're in an area with, with poor cell reception, you know, because that's, that's how it's tracking you is by your, by your phone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if, I guess if they lose tracking, they might reach out to you. I mean, if it's a yeah. critical load, uh, this guy says, I hate all of them. They chew through my data, slow down my phone and make it nearly impossible to do anything else. Data related on my phone. It's all glorified spyware. I told my dispatch, if the shipper wants to track me, they can talk to dispatch and track the ELD GPS. F these apps. Yeah. The company that this guy says the company that the company that want you to use garbage telltale apps needs you needs to buy you a phone to use those apps. Don't put those on your main phone. Yeah. Well, I mean, if
7: you're driving for a company, company might. I, I drove for a guy that uh, owned two trucks, and he gave me a phone. So it was uh, it was a flip phone, but uh, yeah, he was calling me every like five minutes too.
1: Dude, when I, I did sales for one company, that you use your own phone. I did sales for another company; they gave you a phone, and it was a BlackBerry. And I was like, "What? <laughs> like not only is this like super slow, but like I'd rather just use my my own phone." To be honest with you, like I don't know why do you guys want to carry on two phones? Yeah, but pre iPhone, those are sweet. Well, pre iPhone, well, this was iPhones. This was like 2012. <laughs> the iPhone 4 was out, man. <laughs> There's no excuse. <laughs> this guy says, though, funny when I ask the driver to accept tracking, they literally lose their s on me. I, I bet there are some drivers yeah. who uh who don't want that.
7: Well, the you that's how relationships are made you know if you don't like working with that driver
1: or if you're a driver and you don't like working with that broker well somebody else will the reality is though this probably isn't going to change guys no matter how much we we talk yeah. about it you're probably going to get even more that's tracked. <laughs> so i'm not saying get used to it fight the man damn the man but like the reality is you know these are commercial loads that are worth a lot of money and people are probably gonna force to track you one way or another imagine it was your freight what would you do well, exactly. Like, Matt, like, I would like these same guys, like, just for a second. If you're Amazon tracking, like, they just gave you, note, like, oh, you can't know. Your package will show up when it shows up. Everyone would be like, come on, man. Yeah. And that's like a bar of soap coming in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, you, you ever have this happen to you when you were flying? I saw this shocking video today. Look at this plane. It's out here crop dusting. And then it flies across the highway and it buzzes a commercial vehicle. It buzzes a semi truck.
7: I saw it coming to that car, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of close." And then, right at that last frame, you see how close it gets to that truck. I would be livid. That's got to be my
1: truck. that's got to be illegal, right? What the hell is this guy doing?
7: Yeah, I don't know. That would be a better question for Craig. I'm sure he knows all the rules and regs involved in that. But I mean, look he he's not even like approaching the truck head on; like he's coming in from his blind side.
1: I know, and he's got his wing up. He can't even see the guy as he's going in front of him as he's got an 80,000-pound yeah. vehicle that could smash right through him. It's insane. You know, and he's taken away all the goodwill. Back in the 90s, a crop duster saved the world from an alien invasion mm. on Independence Day of all days. And now they're out there like this. Yeah. It's gone to oh, their the heads. Find this guy? It's gone to their heads. Super Trucker, how do people find you? you reach me on Twitter at uh, Super Trucker. We're also on TikTok at FW what the Truck. Cool, man. Thank you for you know, joining
4: us.
1: Thank you for joining me. You can find me at Timothy Duna. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find What the Truck wherever you get your podcast, Find it on FreightWave's YouTube channel. Watch us live all over social media. Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays at noon Eastern time. Thank you for joining us today. Take care. And don't be a stranger. <laughs>